So I was going to have a topic for this term, obviously, which we'll maybe make for next week, but I decided to do something different today. So welcome to a, a difficult, but I think a very, very necessary conversation and discussion. So just a bit of introduction and context, I think, you know, things that you know, but important to highlight again, on so many levels, we're many levels. We're all going through, collectively going through a very tough time. Um, witnessing, as has been highlighted many, many times, witnessing things that are unprecedented, really since the days of the Shoah, um, towards the Jewish land, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation. People seeing the images, negative stuff. Um, when I say we're collectively going through, I think it's just important to understand what that means. Why it's a collective thing, right? Because it's on many levels. First of all, on a relationship level, I mean, we... You know, it was interesting, a few weeks ago, I was sitting at my Shabbat table. The Jewish nation is very small. And uh, we had a guest who... I know, but she's originally from America. But I don't know that well, and we were talking and discussing, and then, you know, what Jews do, they talk about, you know, where you come from, where your parents come from, my parents come from... And it turned out that her grandmother was from the same shtetl, in a small shtetl, as my grandfather, which was really interesting, right? And I say that because, um, you know, we all know people that are going through stuff. I mean, in this room, there are people who have relatives in Israel, of course. Many of us have relatives in Israel. Uh, many people have children in the Tzahal who are protecting us, protecting our land. Um, sadly, many people I know, I've spoken the last few days, in Sydney, have relatives or know people that have been killed or are missing. So it's like very close. I think more than ever, it's because of the magnitude of what's going on, it's becoming just a very, very close thing to everyone. Politically, of course, we understand that. You know, as a Jewish nation, Israel is something that is part of every one of us. And it's something that's critical to every single one of us. And an attack on Israel, as we know, is an attack on every one of us. But of course, it's not just relationship-wise and, and political-wise, also spiritually, as we know. We, we know that our souls, our neshamot, are all one, all connected. There's the famous idea, uh, it's brought down in the book of Tanya, which, where he talks about the pasuk in the Torah, the uh, verse in the Torah, which tells us, you should love your fellow like yourself. And of course, the famous question is, we can love other people, we can be kind to other people, but how are we kind to other people as ourselves? What does that mean? And, and the basic explanation is that it depends what we look at. If we look at our bodies, if we look at, at our superficiality, our externals, we are different. We look different, we think different, and we are different. But when we look at our soul, we're actually the same. All our souls come from the one source. They're all connected. They're all godly. And uh, we are really brothers and sisters. We are really one family. Um, we fight like family sometimes, but we are really one family as can be witnessed and shown so much now in the past, in the past number of days. So... It's really, it's really a collective thing. It's a Jewish nation thing. Obviously, people in Israel are really on the front line, but it's something that's affecting all of us. And therefore, as a result, and I know many people have shared this with me, and including myself, really, we're tense, some of us, a little bit of an edge. We're, the world seems like it's in a dark place. We have lots of questions, some practical questions, some theological and philosophical questions. Some people have anger, witnessing the savagery and the, and the unbelievable way people behave. Looking at the world and the responses and, and some of the governments and some of the societies are really responding well, in the meantime at least. Um, not doing enough and some of them are responding terribly. I just got a WhatsApp this morning from my daughter in New York who's, who's um, training to be a social worker. She's doing a crack now, but she is connected with a the university there. Most of the stuff was done online, but she's connected with a college there in New York. And she shared with me a... a, a a letter that went out, two letters that went out from the university uh, on two different days, it's actually shocking. Not a word of condemnation for the savagery that went on, and just something really parav and lukewarm, like we condemn violence against Jews and Arabs and everything, and really we need a world of peace. Shkoyach, I know we need a world of peace, but that's not the point now, right? So, so it is, you know, that's, that's, that's very alarming and very concerning. So people are searching, we're searching, we're not sure what to do, people are shared with me, I'm not bad feeling myself of not working to full capacity, just sort of being like, you know, aimless and a little bit of a feeling of almost helplessness and what do we do and what are we trying to do. So, which is why I wanted to have the discussion today and I think 
It's hard to find answers, of course, and I'm not sure what answers people are looking for. But um, we, we, just can, we, we can just try. We can try as Jews. We can try to turn to what we always do. Try and turn to our Jewishness. We can try and turn to our Torah. And uh, what does God want us to do? What's the Torah's instructions? So I think the first important thing to understand is that we don't have answers. And that's not the question. People, obviously we have it on our mind. We all have it on our mind. We're all asking that question, the why question. But as we always say, we actually don't have any answers. And not, not to the why on a practical level in terms of intelligence and all that kind of stuff. And it's not our business anyways. And it's certainly not a question to deal with now. I'm sure Israeli society will deal with that in its right time. But even a philosophical question and a theological question, why does God allow things like that to happen and, and so on and so forth, I don't know the answers and I don't want to know the answers. Why I say that is because part of our emunah, part of our belief system is that we're actually not supposed to look for answers because knowing answers, if we come up with an explanation, which we not qualify... Come, come in, this. Mandy, there's plenty of take there. Oh, okay, whatever you want. Yeah, that's fine. Um... Knowing, knowing answers, if we come up with answers, if we think we qualified to come up with answers, which we're not, knowing answers almost justifies what happens, and, knowing, and we're not supposed to justify. Our job is to always pray and to cry to God for revealed good, for peace, for good things, for health, for safety. When things happen that are not in that line, we have to, we'll talk about this a bit later, we have to accept, we have to believe, but we don't have to understand. So I don't have answers. And therefore, what we can try and do is, we cannot answer the question of why, but we can try, and I think this is what I want to try and do today, is answer the question of what. Not, what do we do? How do we respond? What are we, what are we supposed to have in our mind? What's our perspective supposed to be? And what are we practically supposed to do? And what can we do? And how can we help over here in Sydney or in the whole world? Both on an emotional level, a behavior level, from a Jewish perspective, from a Torah perspective, and just see what we can we can come up with. Again, I'm not an expert and you know, I can only try and I'm going to try and share with you and we can try and inspire each other, which we have to do. Coming together is, is, is already a good start. I think last night, those that were there would know that it was unbelievable, fantastic. It was, I mean, fantastic is probably the wrong word, but it was really amazing. Yeah. Just to see so many Jews come together and connect to each other, doesn't matter what they were doing there, but it was just, just that feeling of coming together was really uplifting and inspiring. But we have to continue that discussion and continue connecting. So I want to start with an idea like this, that, and we're going to go through a number of different things. Especially as Jews, we have been given a mission, and this is spoken about a lot in our sources, in our commentaries, in, in Kabbalah, in other places, in lots of different places, that God actually gave us a mission, and this is true generally, by the way, but we're going to focus more on what we're going through now, but it's a general concept, that we are charged with a mission of living with contradictions, living a paradox, right? Things that are contradict each other, which actually we have the ability for them to coexist within ourselves. The Zohar, for example, talks about how we approach God. He talks about the process of tshuva, of how we repent and return to God, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur type discussions. And he talks about b'chiyah and simcha, crying and joy happening at the same time. Now, you ask, how can that happen at the same time? We're either sad or we're happy. So that's for another time to explain exactly how that works. But essentially, the power of our soul, the infinity of our soul, the, the godly connection within our soul, just like God transcends all forms of definition and therefore can carry contradictions together, we have that ability as well. So we can. We can carry crying and joy at the same time. We can, we can carry pain and hope at the same time. We can carry crying out for help and being positive at the same time. So that's really the foundation of what I want to speak about because we are a people, generally, I'm Israel, who know pain on an individual level, on a collective level, on a national level. And we don't deny that pain because denying pain, as we've spoken about many times, denying pain is being insensitive. So we are people that when we see pain and we see challenge and challenge that affects us and affects our brothers and sisters and affects our family, our collective family, 
we have to be sensitive to it. We have to feel it. Not just yesterday, not just last night, but while it's happening, throughout while it's happening, and hope we, we hope not, but it's, it's going to be for a little while. All right. But at the same time, part of that contradiction is that although we are sensitive to pain and feel the pain, but we must never become defined by pain ever. We must never fall victim to that pain even for one moment. And we must never become paralyzed by that pain or that challenge. And that's, that's our path forward. So let's break that down. So I want to share with you a phrase in Tanakh by Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah the prophet, where he talks about the times that are coming, the future, he talks about the good times that are coming. And there's a pasuk where the second half of the verse, he says the following words. He says, Eight tsarahi liyaakov. It's two phrases. I just want to, be very, want to be very clear in terms of those two phrases. Phrase one is, he says, Eight tsarahi liyaakov. It is a time of trouble for Jacob, time of distress for Jacob, Jacob meaning the Jewish people. Second phrase is, Umimena yivasheya. I mentioned this the other day. But we just talk about it a bit differently today. But from it, he shall be saved. So it's a time of distress for Jacob. From it, he will be saved. And why I think that phrase, that pasuk is so important is because both parts of the phrase are so important. Meaning the sensitivity and the, the acknowledgement that it is an Eitzara, it is a time of distress. And at the same time, the belief and the trust and the hope that we will be saved. So let's break that down a little bit. So it's interesting that the phrase begins with eight tsarahi. It's a time of tsara. Tsara same word as tsaras, right? Tsaras is a Yiddish form of the word tsara, right? So eight tsara, it's a time of distress for, for Jacob. Now we know the Jewish people have two names. Sometimes we're called B'nai Yisrael. We are the people, the children of Israel, who was the children, which is the same thing as saying with the children of Yaakov. Yaakov had two names. Different to Abraham, whose name was changed and the previous name disappeared. So Avram used to be Avram and then it was changed to Avraham, but that Avram no longer exists. With Yaakov it was different. His name was changed from Yaakov to Israel, but it, it, we maintain the name Yaakov. And the reason for that is because the Jewish people, on a physical and spiritual level, go through two different types of experiences. There's the experience of Yaakov, there's the experience of Israel. The word Yaakov means a heel. So Yaakov represents the Jew who is downtrodden, who is trampled upon. It represents the, the Jew who is going through a challenge, who is going through a pain. Israel, on the other hand, means Sar Kael, an officer, a prominent one of God. That's what Israel is. So Israel represents the Jew who is going through good times, who is going through great times, who is on top of the world. Spiritually speaking, the commentaries always explain that Shabbat, for example, is a time when we Israel, when we leave Shabbat and we go into the Days of the week, which are, which are days of, of, of mundaneness, of challenge, of, you know, Shabbat, we forget about the world. So Israel, during the week, we have to face, confront the challenges of the world. We're called Yaakov, and that's why, just this is parenthetically, just on, if you look in the Siddur, you'll see that on Matzei Shabbat, on Saturday night, there are many that sing a song. They have a little, it's called a Malava Malka, a farewell for Shabbat meal, and they sing a song, and the, and the phrase, the chorus of the song is, is a, a pasuk, a verse that says, Altira Avdi Yaakov, do not fear my servant Yaakov. Why do we use the Yaakov there? Because we're sending the soul back into the weekday, into the Yaakov experience. That's so why we say, don't be afraid. Take the Israel from Shabbat and, 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 and have, that, have, that, have that strength. But as an experience of a nation, sometimes we are Israel, sometimes we are Yaakov. And therefore, when Jeremiah talks about acknowledging the time of distress, he says, Eight Sarat, a time of distress, Le Yaakov, for Yaakov. We're a Yaakov at the moment. We're being trampled upon. We're being compromised. It's a Yaakov. It's like the heel. And that's something, that's something that needs acknowledgement. So the first phrase is important. It's something that needs to be acknowledged. It's something that needs to be understood and felt. And therefore, if people are feeling rattled, if people are feeling broken, if people are feeling fearful or helpless, it's normal. We need to understand that. It's a normal reaction. In fact, it would be insensitive and not normal if, we're not, if we don't have any feelings like that. And we're not alone, which is a good thing, because we're all under attack, as we said before. And therefore, we feel that pain and we need to keep feeling that pain. 
Because as we said before, a pain of one Jew is the pain of the whole nation. An attack on Israel is an attack on the world, the whole Jewish world. But it's not just that, that, that it's normal to feel that pain. And if we feel that pain, we actually you know, need to be supported and, and seek help, as we'll talk about in a second. But actually, that feeling of not feeling normal is something that needs to continue, actually. We need to discuss how it needs to continue, but it doesn't need to continue. Because as human beings, you know, human beings adapt a little bit, and we have this tendency to want to go back to normal. Um, and, you know, we, we sometimes subconsciously feel, you know, we've felt un, unsettled, we've done our thing, we've gone to a sold rally, which was amazing, and then we start to etch into sort of being normal. And that actually can't happen. It shouldn't happen. Because it is going to be something that's going to take a little bit of a long time. It seems like naturally. Hopefully not, but it will. Seems like. And therefore in the coming days, we actually need to make sure that we don't return to normal. We don't ignore the eight tsara. Because the time of trouble is not over. And therefore to ignore that is, it's wrong. And in sense that, now of course we need to return to normal life and we need to do things, but... You know, sometimes we have this tendency, like we'll read a video, we'll see a video, maybe that we shouldn't look at, but we'll read an article and, and we'll fetch and we'll say to a friend, Oi, isn't this terrible? And then go back to normal, right? But that's, not a, that's really not what we should be doing. In the next couple of weeks, we actually have to be different. We actually have to remember that first part of the phrase. It is an eight Sarah Yaakov until the army is finished doing what they need to do, until this is resolved and hopefully quickly and properly and decisively. It is not a normal time. And we need to acknowledge that and we need to feel that. We need to feel that collective mourning that is going on in Israel. I mean, you just think of the magnitude of the funerals, of the, of the, of the wounded, and the impact on families, and, and what that means to people, right? It is unimaginable. And, it's, and it's, we need to remind ourselves of that. Not in a negative way, as we'll soon see, but it is unmanageable. And it's something that we cannot just feel for a few days and then adapt and go back to normal. It's something we need to feel all the time. And that's why, you know, it is good. We, people have cancelled celebrations. We're, we're sending out an email in, a, in, a, in, a, in an hour that we're postponing the Binah celebration. We're not postponing Binah. Binah is, is, is going to be full force because learning is important. Connecting with our Jewishness is important, but we just felt celebration is not the right thing now. So I just want to make that clear. Bin is not responding. Bin is actually going to intensify and expand. Because that's what we need now, among many things. Yes. What happens if it becomes all-consuming? Yeah, yeah, no, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, 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 we're going to talk about it. I know the part that I'm talking about now seems a bit negative, but I want to, I want to reframe it soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm talking about that just the consciousness, that, that just awareness. And the, and the feeling. We need to remember, we need to constantly remember, it's family. This is our family we're talking about. This is our family, our collective family. So I wanted to say that. That's the first part of the phrase, Eight Tzarahi Yaakov. We need to remember and focus, it is not normal now until this is finished. Life is not normal. That means we shouldn't do the things that we normally do, but it's not normal. However, this is the second part that I wanted to get to. While that consciousness and while that awareness is critical, and important, and true, but its purpose, and please listen to me carefully, because this is equally important, its purpose is not to create paralysis, on any level. Its purpose is, and if it's creating paralysis, it's a problem. It's not to create paralysis, it's not to create emotional paralysis, like anxiety, fear, desperation, depression, negativity, toxicity, helplessness, all those things. That's not healthy, because that doesn't help anyone, doesn't help us, us, and doesn't help them. Doesn't help any, any Jew, right? And if people are feeling that way, and that's also normal, people need to seek support. We need to connect with each other. You need to talk to people, talk to loved ones. Or, in some cases, people need to seek professional help, and that's okay. It's, in other words, to feel that way is normal, but it's not, if, it, if it's creating like that all-consuming thing you were talking about, it becomes consuming to the point where we're becoming paralyzed on some level, emotionally paralyzed, functionally paralyzed. That's not what it should be doing. And that's unhealthy. So what should it be doing? 
What it should be doing is that consciousness and that constant awareness and acknowledgement that is, is, is an eight Sarali Yaakov. It's a time of distress for the house of Jacob. What that should be doing is not creating paralysis, but creating urgency. Very different. Urgency and paralysis are two different things. Paralysis is not urgency. Paralysis is despair. We actually recoil, you go into bed and you just can't function. That's or, or on any level. That's paralysis. That's unhealthy. That's dangerous. That's not what God wants for us. 100% not. And it doesn't help anyone. Not ourselves, not anyone in the Jewish nation. So therefore we need to do that. Urgency means we have to channel that feeling. In other words, that feeling that we've had the last few days on one level has to continue, but not in that brokenness or that desperation, but more as an acknowledgement. And we need to take that feeling, not forget about it, not, not let it disappear, not deny it, not escape from it, but to channel it. Channel it to create urgency, to create action, to create hope, to create support for each other, and to create, as we'll soon talk about, tangible things that we can do to help. And that's the second part of that verse. Jeremiah said in the very same sentence, he said, It is a time of distress for the house of Jacob. But remember your feeling, your focus, your belief, your hope, your, your mindset has to be acknowledging that. But go to the second part of the phrase, We will be saved from it. That's what I said before. We live with a paradox because they, they're very different. To be conscious of collective huge a sense of mourning and brokenness and dangerous and, and loss of life and danger. And, and it, it just, it can consume you. But we have the ability not to forget that and yet to have the second part of the verse, that strength, that hope of we will be saved. And it's very hard because lots of things have happened which are very negative already. We will be saved, but that's not going to take away the pain that has already been created. That's true. But we can carry those two things together. We can feel the pain, we can feel the challenge, and we can make sure it does not create paralysis, but it creates hope and urgency and action. Because the DNA of a Jew, right? This is such an important thing. The DNA of a Jew, the Jewish soul, is that falling victim to darkness or things like despair or loss of hope is just not an option, ever. Not an option. Pain is an option. And pain has to be processed. And feeling pain is right. But victim to darkness, loss of hope, despair is just not an option. I'm going to share with you just a beautiful insight that I heard from someone just two days ago. And everything's about divine providence. So this coming week, this coming Shabbat, you know, on Simchat Torah, we finish the Torah. I think this is Simchat Torah that those who are in Shul will never forget, but and we should never ever have such a Simchat Torah again. But, but Simchat Torah, we finish the Torah. We, we, we try to combine over here. We try, I mean, as in many Shuls, we try to combine that paradox, which we did. We cried out to God with the dancing, which was very difficult. That's what God wants us to keep going. But it wasn't easy. But we finished reading the Torah. That's one of the things we do on Simchat Torah. What do we do this Shabbat? We begin the Torah again. That's why it's called, this coming Shabbat is called Shabbat Bereshit. It's the Shabbat of Bereshit, the Shabbat of the beginning, when we start reading the Torah again. And therefore, the great Kabbalists tell us, particularly the one of the great Kabbalists called the Shalah HaKadosh, says that whenever we read a part of the week, it's always connected with things that happen during the week. And in this case, there's a beautiful idea coming from the very, very great Hasidic master called Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Abarditchev, who was known as, he's known as the advocate of the Jewish people. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Abarditchev was known that he always only found good things to say about the Jewish people, only found good things to say about other people. And it's just an amazing, amazing person. And he said the following. In Bereshit, in the beginning, what was the first thing we read about that God created was light, he or. But before that, we, we read the following. And I'm going to just share it with you, the wording, and I'm going to translate. So the Pasuk says at the very beginning of creation, there was the heaven and the earth. And then it says, The land was chaotic and empty. 
V'choshech al penei tohom, and dark. Right? And the Spirit of God was somewhere hovering there. And then it says, the next line it says, which is we know, always known as the first creation, after the general existence of the world. It says, Vayomer Elohim, and God said, Yehi or, let there be light. Vayehi or. And there was light. So the simple reading is that it was dark, there was no lights. God said, let there be light. And there was light. So Levi Yitzchak of Ardichev reinterpreted the verse in the most beautiful way. He said, sometimes it all depends where you put the comma, right? So it says like this. The Pasuk says, the verse says, that the, and this is sometimes what happens in the world, and I think this is something that we're experiencing right now. That the land is empty, the land is chaotic. And there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of darkness. And then he says, listen to the way he interprets the next verse. And he said, who said? The Jew. The Jew cries, not Vayomer Elohim and God said, but Vayomer Kameh. The Jew says, the Jew cries out to God. This is what the Vaditshava Rebbe says. Such a beautiful idea. Elohim, he says, God, please, yehi or let there be light. Because the Jew calls out to God and says, I don't want to be swallowed up by darkness. I don't want to be swallowed up and defined and consumed by the chaos. I don't want to be affected by the emptiness. I want to acknowledge this, but I want to be defined, but I don't want to be swallowed up by helplessness. And fear. So Elohim, I'm calling out to God, Yehi, or what I want to choose is light. I want positivity. I want light. And the response of God is, if you really want light, by He or it will be light. That's the way he interprets the Pasuk. And I think that's our mission. Our mission is that paradox. Yes, acknowledging the pain, life not turning back to normal. Having it in our consciousness the entire time, every day when we wake up, not to paralyze us and not the whole day, but not, not normal. We should be doing things which we're going to talk about in a second. What we can do and how we can process it within ourselves. But that should be our consciousness. We, need to, we are all going through stuff. We are all going through a challenge. Eight Sarahi Yaakov, it is a time of distress for Jacob. But we don't become paralyzed from it. Because we crown out, we scream out while acknowledging it. While acknowledging the fear and acknowledging the darkness and acknowledging the chaos and the helplessness. We say, no, that's not what we want to be defined by. And that's not what's going to happen to us. We're going to cry out to God and say, or, light, we want light. And God will give us the ability to have light. And therefore, that has to be our mission. That in the coming weeks, our focus has to be on what's happening. That's good. But we have to channel it to create light and a positive energy. Because we have to remember that as Jews, wherever we are, we're actually not helpless. We can contribute and we can help on many levels. We have to believe that. I think that's sometimes the missing gap. We think we're helpless. We think, we, what can we do from far away? It's not true. We can do so many things on so many levels. And I want to go through maybe just six ideas. First of all, what can we do to channel it into something more positive? We can spread hope and positivity. You know, we all know the hate. We all know the savagery. It's not necessary anymore to spread, to, to spread the terrible videos that are coming out. We've all seen them. It's interesting, by the way, it's the first time such a thing of such magnitude has happened that has, we have social media also. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing because evil needs to show its face and it has shown its face and that's a good thing. But it's not a good thing either. It's not good for young people particularly. It's, it's another discussion and those who have young children or young grandchildren need to make sure they don't see all this stuff because it's really bad. It can be etched in your mind for a long time, right? Because there's emails going around, there's social media going around. I mean, it's there, right? But what we do need to share, and there's so much of that also going around, we need to share hope. We need to share positivity. We need to share the eternity of the Jewish nation. We need to share that hope of victory. I have seen so many videos. I mean, it's most, I'm sure you have to. Of, of the most inspiring things of Chayalim, soldiers gathered up in these hundreds and hundreds of tanks on the border, near, near the border, and soldiers dancing. One of the common songs is, I'm not going to sing it for you because I'm, it's not my area of expertise, but, right? Have uh, you heard that? Whoever believes that is not afraid. I'm not singing that, they're singing that. They're about to go into battle, and they're singing that. 
And there's videos of soldiers going around the Chayalim, my beautiful Chayalim, asking people abroad not to be scared. Asking them to believe in the salvation. And they feel it. They feel our love. They feel our support. There's the most amazing things happening now in the Jewish people. There's a victory, there's a unity that's unprecedented. We need to maintain that beyond this whole prayer. That's another discussion. But, but you know, we're just like a family. We fight like brothers. And we, but at the end of the day, when there's a crisis, we come together. Right? It's that hope that's coming around that we're going to win this war. They're saying it. People who really, one would imagine, feel the most scared are saying it. They have such confidence, such belief, such faith. There's, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of people coming with the most humongous trucks of food of, of supplies coming to the soldiers you have these scenes that they get out of the car with all their boxes I saw, I saw a video of a, a, a Hasidic guy in Jerusalem going to a grocery store buying supplies for the Chayalim and there was a video someone took of the receipt printing out I don't know if you saw it it's, it's, it's beautiful it takes like two minutes for the receipt to print out as long as the paper was in the machine unbelievable just people just feel they want to do something and then they go and they come into these trucks and they come near where the Chayalim are the various bases and the border and they come out and, and they come to each other and they embrace each other and they start dancing that's, that's the energy and that's the energy we need to have it's, it's not a denial of pain it's not a denial of challenge it's not a denial of, what, of the reality of the ground but it's the deep rooted ability of a Jew to have hope and to believe and to have faith and to trust spread those, spread those messages spread messages of hope you know, things we say matter, spiritually speaking. When we talk positively, it creates a positive energy. We bring blessing into the world. We've got to strengthen each other. We've got to talk about how it's going to be okay. How it's, we're going to come out of this stronger than before. Umi mena from Itzah, Jeremiah, you will be saved. Yes, it's an eight Sarah Yaakov. It's a time of trouble for the house of Jacob. But there's a second part of that verse. Umi mena you will be saved from it. Again, it's a bit paradoxical because acknowledging the pain is tough, but having the hope can coexist. The second thing I want to suggest and just talk about is I think it's, it's, it's by the way, the positivity I spoke about before is good for us, number one, just to talk positive and it's good for them. It, it's, it, it transcends borders, it transcends distance. It creates, so just let's do that. Let's make a conscious effort every day to share a positive video. To share a positive message. To inspire someone else. The second thing I want to say is that we need, never, like never before, we need Jewish pride. It's not a time to cower. It's not a time to, to hide. We need to live responsibly. We need to do the responsible thing from a security point of view. But we have to be out there. Unfortunately, we all know this and we can't deny it. There's a lot of support that coming from different places and different agencies and organizations and governments, but it is going to change. Hopefully not too much, but it is going to change. It's already starting. We need to be proud. We need to not be shy. Someone talks, we have to talk back. We have to read up and get people to explain things to us and be strong. There's no moral equivalency. There's no two sides here. We need to be proud of being Jewish. We need to be express our, proud, our pride to be Jewish. And ex- express our pride to be connected to the land that is so dear to every one of us, the land of Israel. And not, and, not, and not be ambivalent. And not be scared to answer people. We need to be very proud. Jewish pride is very important in the coming days. The third thing we need to do on a spiritual level is within ourselves. And I'm going to talk about this for a few moments. is to strengthen our emunah ubitachon. This is a tough one. And this is, again, the paradox. This is not the time to go into a whole shiur of these two phrases, emunam bitachon, but let me just highlight a little bit what that means. Emunah is a constant, it's faith. We have faith in God. Faith in God means something that transcends logic that we don't understand, but we believe in Him. It's part of our DNA, whether we like it or not. It is what a Jew is. A Jew believes in God. Which means a Jew believes in God even when things happen that we don't understand. And there's so much that has happened that we don't understand. So emunah means... That even if something happens that is terrible, we accept it. And we, 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 we know this from Jewish practice. We know this, you know, one of the things, one of the most amazing things, I think I've mentioned this before, but one of the most amazing things that 
that takes place, God forbid, in the time of grief, someone loses a real, like a very close loved one, even a tragic circumstance, what's the first thing they do at a funeral? They say Kaddish. You know that Kaddish has nothing to do with people dying, by the way. Kaddish is a statement of belief. Yitkadal, Yitkadash, Merabah, may the name of God be great and praised. That's what we do. In a time of unbelievable pain, we still say, I'm in pain and I can't do anything about it now and I've got to process, but I believe. That's what a Jew does. Is it hard? Of course it's hard. Very hard. But that's what we've got to try to strengthen. But at the same time, and there's so much as it happened, until what, un, until what happens to this moment, we have emunah, even if it was negative. At the same time, however, we don't accept it. We don't say, well, I believe it is from God, and therefore let it continue. God forbid. God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to cry and say, no, change it. What you did till now, you have a plan. We don't know. We don't understand how certain things can happen. We, we have emunah. But as soon as we have that emunah, we also have that bitachon. Bitachon means for the future. In other words, what happened till now happened, but for the future, I believe that it's going to be good in a revealed way. Not just that I have to say whatever God does is good and I don't understand it and it's a plan. We do that for everything that is past, everything that happened till now. This is true on an individual level, it's true with health issues, it's true with everything. That what happened until now, we don't understand and we have to accept. It's tough, but we do. That's what a Jew does. But at the same time, we have bitachon. Bitachon means hope and, 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 and belief and conviction. That mimena yivashaya, we're going to be saved. It's going to, we're going to be victorious. It's going to be good. Uh, what happened to all the pain that happened until now? Emona. We don't know. And those two things have to, come, have to come together. It's difficult, it's irrational, but that's the paradox of being a Jew. And the other benefit of bitachon is not only that we have to you know, build it up within ourselves and, 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 and remember that God is Shomer Israel, He's the guardian of the Jewish people and He will protect us and we will do what we can and it's going to be good. Like I said before, again, when we do that and we talk about that and we share that message, it breeds positive energy. It breeds bracha. Positive thinking breeds positivity and brings blessing. That's the third thing. The fourth thing is, and this goes to the question of what can I do? One of the things we can do is pray. We can daven. Tefillah. And to really believe in the power of tefillah. That's part of our problem sometimes. We don't realize how powerful tefillah is. And sometimes, like a small child who asks his parent for something, and the parent says no, they nudge. Sometimes they nudge the heck out of you until you say yes. And I'm not saying for myself, because I wouldn't talk like this myself, but I've heard this from many tzaddiki, many great people. That we don't, we don't just pray once. We don't just say one chapter of Tilim and say, well, it's all going to turn out okay. No. Sometimes God wants us to nudge for whatever reason. And we need to nudge. And we need to, we need to really pray, pray whichever way we know. But we know that one of the most powerful things of praying is Tilim is, is, um, is you know, Psalms, to say Psalms, right? Say them in English, say them in Hebrew. It really makes a difference. They, 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 they're powerful. People ask me sometimes, what should I say? There are chapters that are, that are more important to say than others. But it really doesn't matter. It can be in a Tilim group, not in a Tilim group. It actually doesn't matter. Just, if you have a, if you have a 10 minutes, you want to do something visual, pick up a Psalms. Pick up a Tilim and pray. Say Shema every morning. Say Shema at night. Add to your prayers. And believe that it helps. Believe that when we pray, it's a conversation that God really listens. Sometimes it doesn't answer the right away, but it's a collective thing. Each word of prayer builds up. Each word of prayer, each, each one builds up. So we have this massive collection of prayer words which are powerful and they help. And again, going back to what I said before, it's not only that it helps because it's a tangible thing, but again, when we pray, you should know that them in Israel, people in Israel know it and feel it. They say it. That's part of the videos that I've been watching about the amazing positive messages from the, from the Chayalim themselves. One of, some of them often say in the middle of the video, pray for us. Not in a negative way. Not in a, they're not saying it in a desperate way. They're saying it in a beautiful way. Pray for us. We feel strengthened when you do that. So number four, let's believe in that Korachat field. Let's believe in the power of prayer. The next thing I want to say is the power not only of prayer, but the power of a mitzvah. I can only share with you what I think is the Jewish way, right? And I know that when we, when we read the Jewish sources, we read that when one does a mitzvah, a mitzvah is not a cultural symbol. A mitzvah is a real thing. A mitzvah is like wiring a, a, a machine and it, if you wire it correctly, it starts to generate electricity and electricity flows. 
Now, any mitzvah is good, of course, right? But we do believe that when someone does a mitzvah, a mitzvah creates a reality. It creates an energy. It creates something tangible. Sitting here in Sydney, we can pray and we can do a mitzvah. We can't pick up a gun and fight. That's not our role right now. Those that can are. And those, are those that can are and doing it with tremendous hope, belief and enthusiasm. But we can fight too. As, as the famous words of Isaac, who said, Hakol kol Yaakov. The voice is the voice of Jacob. The voice is very strong. The voice of tefillah. The voice of prayer. And the power of a mitzvah. Now any mitzvah is good, but what are the, what are, when we look in the sources, what are the special types of mitzvah that maybe we can increase in over the next few days or next few weeks that have particular significance to protection and blessing? I'll just mention five. The one is Torah, to learn. Talmud says Torah protects. When people learn, learning brings blessing. Learning can mean reading an article each day, a Dvar Torah, an extra shiur, something. Just increase in our Jewish wisdom, and our Jewish learning, our Jewish connection. The other mitzvah is, and this is specifically connected to protection, as we know it says in the Torah, is mezuzah. Mezuzah brings protection, but not just for our house. It just generates protection in general. So if you have a mezuzah in your front door, consider buying one more mezuzah, or two more mezuzahs. Kosher mezuzah, of course. Right? Because mezuzah brings protection. So that's something tangible that we can do. We can increase something positive. If you only have mezuzah on some of the doors, not all your doors, add one more, add two more. The third one is one that actually I spoke about in a video, some of you saw it, just before Simchat Rah, before all this started, but I'm going to re-emphasize it. And of course, this is specifically for women. Candle lighting is a very important mitzvah. It brings tremendous light, going back to that idea of the Hasidic master, when we cry out, he or to God, please generate light, we need to generate light. And one of the most pure and holy ways of generating light in a spiritual way is lighting the Shabbat candles. But the Shabbat candles need to be lit on time. Otherwise, they don't do what they're supposed to do. When I say on time, and you heard me, some of you heard me say this in the video, Shabbat candle needs to be lit on time. There is a minimum time. You can do, there's a candle lighting time in the calendar, which is the ideal time to light. But you can light them early, but not too early. And you can light them, if, you, if you're too late, you can light them for a few minutes after the candle lighting time, but not too late. The light Shabbat candle on, 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 on Shabbat itself is really undermining the Shabbat candle. I'm not judging people's Shabbat observance, but please don't light the Shabbat candle on Shabbat. Right? Because that really goes against the Shabbat. Right? I don't judge anyone's journey, everyone's in their own journey, but I'm just encouraging people not to actively do the candle of Shabbat, of all things, on Shabbat itself. So I, I just want to mention a practical thing. I just started a WhatsApp group on Friday. Some of you joined. You can join still. Um, we are going to every Friday post the candle lighting time, how early you can light it, like you can light it earlier, and the maximum time, like how, after what time you certainly can't light it. And that's tricky because sometimes the summer, winter, it all changes, but it's, uh, these are, I'm not going to give a sure now how it works, but it's, it's got to do with halachic times and halachic hours, and it's a very complicated thing, but there's a time each week of the candle lighting time, the earliest you can do it, and the latest that you can't do it after that anymore. The next one I'll also encourage, another thing that actually the Talmud specifically talks about in the context of protection in wartime is tefillin. Now, this is not relevant to this audience, but it's relevant to your husbands, to your brothers, to your sons, to your male relatives. Encourage them to put on tefillin. If not every day, once a week. Tefillin is a really... It's interesting, you know, the, 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 everyone knows Chabad has a big tefillin campaign. It was in the Israeli news over the last number of months in different ways, right? Um, since then actually more people are put on tefillin not less but doesn't matter that's good um, but where did, you know when it started it actually started before the six day war when things were really tensing up and that's when the Lubavitch Rebbe came up with this massive tefillin campaign and it's been ever since now it's caught on to other people also many people are doing it but it's it's, 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 it's a protection so go home talk to the male members of your family if they don't know how to do it they can contact me they can contact Balevi, they can contact any rabbi or any person that knows how to put on tefillin, they can help them to put on a kosher prayer tefillin, if not every day, once a week. It doesn't have to be the full prayer. It takes two minutes. Honestly, two minutes. And finally, we know that one of the greatest mitzvot that one can take on is tzedakah, exactly. And there's so many different forms of doing tzedakah. Tzedakah can also mean 
first of all, there's many different sites now that are asking actually for real help for Israel, which is, which is really, really, really important. And there's just generally every, tzedakah, every day, we should have a tzedakah box in our home, we should put in a few coins, I don't know, today coins is out of fashion, but, but we should give tzedakah regularly. Small amounts, big amounts, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the mitzvah of tzedakah. So that's the power of a mitzvah, those five things. So um, Torah learning, mezuzah, candle lighting, tefillin, and of course tzedakah. The, the, there's a pasuk that tells us tzedakah tatzil, tzedakah saves. The power of tzedakah is very strong. Finally, the sixth thing I think we can do is this. There's a sentence we say every day in the Amidah. Towards the end of the Amidah, which is the, 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 the focus of prayer. And it's every Amidah, Shabbat, weekday, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, every Amidah has this blessing. We ask God to bring peace and to bless us. Right? And one of the things we say there is, Barcheinu avinu kulanu ke'echad. Bless us, our Father, all of us as one. Simply meaning, bless us all together. But many commentaries have pointed out that we have to put the comma a little bit differently here. That Barcheinu Avinu, bless us, our Father. Comma, when? And we know that when does blessing really flow? Kulanu Ke'echad, when we all as one. Unity brings blessing. Now, we can't worry about the whole world, but we can worry about ourselves. And for the coming days, Besides doing all these other things, we need to increase in unity, increase in oneness, increase in helping another person. Call someone who annoys you, who you avoid calling because you know the person's a nudnik and every time you call them it's like a half an hour. And, but, they, but they feel good when you call them. Call someone you don't like. Make up with a person that you have a faribal with. We are allowed to disagree. We are allowed to have different opinions. And that's okay. We can continue disagreeing. We're one big family. We fight like brothers and sisters and it's all good. But we have to at heart be at one. Find someone who... Think of someone you haven't seen for a while. Call them up. Maybe they need help. Maybe they just need a phone call. Especially now, going through this tough time. We need to connect with each other. We need to connect in oneness. Talk, let's try watch how we talk. Let's not talk negatively about other people. Let's, let's try and increase in positive talk about each other. Achdut, Ahavat Yisrael, love of another person, love of another Jew, unity of Jews, and unity amongst ourselves. And it doesn't have to be global. It's not about a global thing. Every person, we never know what's going to tip the scale. It could be just our own little family, our own brothers and literally brothers and sisters, our own, our own little mishpacha together, just increasing in oneness, because unity brings blessing. So just to summarize that last part, then I'm going to just end with one thought. We need to increase in, in, in spreading positivity. Just spreading positive messages, positive videos. Just saying positive things, inspiring each other. Jewish pride, really, really important. Strengthening our emunah and bitachon. We could read articles about emunah, articles about bitachon, that's so important. Power of prayer, the power of a mitzvah, and the increasing of oneness. These are the positive things that we can do. These are the positive things that we can channel our pain into. And we need to do that. Building up positive, building up, up, not ignoring the pain. We have to keep that phrase with us the whole time. In the next few weeks, life is not normal. And it shouldn't become normal. But it can be channeled so it doesn't paralyze us and overwhelm us. But it becomes an urgency for hope, for positivity, and for action. And for really contributing. And to really be positive and building up our faith and hope in God that it's going to be okay. I'll just end with two short things. One is, I thought of an analogy the other day. You know, if you design a beautiful plate or a beautiful jar or a beautiful vase, right? Imagine, beautifully designed. It's absolutely beautifully in majesty and it's just a beautiful piece of art. And then it falls into the mud and it loses its magnificence, right? And it's all covered with dirt. Has it, lost, has it lost its design? Absolutely not. Can you see its design? Not for now. So you need to... It's, but, but what's holding back and what's hiding its beauty is something very superficial. If you wash off the dirt, if you wash off the, the, the sand, the magnificence emerges once again. And I think that's a very important mashal to bear in mind. We are an amazing nation. We are an amazing as a people. We are amazing as a land. Israel is the most amazing place on all levels. Ever since 
sovereignty was given back to us in 1948. Israel is only developed in the most miraculous way. God gave it back into our hands in the most miraculous way. And what we've done with it is absolutely miraculous on an economic level, on a startup level, on a spiritual level. There's, there's more Torah being learned in Israel than ever in history, apparently. There's, there's more Jewish activity. It's the most amazing place. Its design is magnificent. We shouldn't forget that. It's now covered in a bit of mud. That mud will be taken off. It's not seen now. We got a bit of a clap. We did. We fell into the mud. But that mud will come off very quickly. And its beauty, its beauty and its magnificence will re-emerge very, very quickly. And even stronger. And finally, I just want to share with you an idea that, just again, encouraging us to take action on a spiritual level, on a tangible level, on an emotional level, on a connection level. There's a one chapter of Tehillim that's really important to say, we're saying it every day, twice a day here, is, is, is 121. It's the chapter that talks about that the guardian of Israel nor, nor sleeps or slumbers and he's going to protect us. And one of the things it says there is, Hashem Shomrecha, Hashem is your guardian and Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is your shadow. What does that mean, Hashem is your shadow? So one of the, there's many, many ideas, but one of the ideas is, that God says to us, Hashem is your shadow. And what is a shadow? A shadow does whatever you do. And therefore, we have to do our part. We pray to God, we call out to God, you are our guardian. We believe that you will not sleep or slumber, we will need you, will protect us, and you, we believe that you will take us out of this. We will be saved. We won't forget, and we won't forget our brothers and sisters, and we're not going to go back to normal until, until this is done. But we're going to channel it into something amazingly positive, and we know that you're going to save us, but we're also going to do our part. Because when we do our part, you do your part. Because you're our shadow. Hashem Shomrecha, Hashem is our guardian, and Hashem is our shadow. In other words, we're going to do chesed, we're going to connect with others, God is going to connect with us. We're going to help others, God is going to help us. We're going to pray and call out to Him, and He's going to answer us. We're going to take on another mitzvah, and He's going to send the energy. We're going to do all these amazing things, and He's going to respond. We believe it, we believe it, every fiber of our being, and it's going to be amazing. And God will help that very, very soon. We must pray. We must continue to pray on, on many levels. We must pray for the, for the healing of those that are wounded. We must pray for the souls of those tragically that have been taken from us. And we must pray for our chayalim that they come back safe, completely safe and sound. And we must pray for the whole Am Yisrael. And please God, it's, we have to just live with that hope because that's who we are. Live with that belief and that trust in Hashem that He is going to be good, hopefully very, very soon. I just want to end, finally, let's say it together, we talk about prayer, we'll say it together, one or two sentences of Tehillim, and then go ahead and, and take any Tehillim, pray and do good things, and hopefully we've, we've, we've shared some perspective. So let's read that, just, we'll just read that from that chapter 121. Pray after me. Shir Lama'alot, Esa Enai, El Heharim, Me'ayin Yavo Ezri. Ezri, Me'im Adonai, Ose Shamayim Va'aretz. Hinei, Lo Yanum, Velo Yishan, Shomer Yisrael. Adonai, Shomrecha, Adonai, Tzilcha, which means the shadow, Al Yad, Yeminecha. May God answer our prayers, but we hear only good news. Let's inspire each other and support each other, and we're going to come out amazing from this. Have a wonderful day.